What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the West Side Sports Podcast. It is January 18th, 2023. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. Welcome in to today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to make your first listen of today's show or your first listen of the day, excuse me. Um, really appreciate you guys tuning in today. We are going to be continuing the series today in a slight, very abbreviated section. I want to be doing around the world covering what happened throughout the course of the NFL wildcard weekend. That's going to be the main topic for today, and we will be continuing uh, the offseason Seahawks wrap-up for part two. Uh, That's probably going to be happening here tomorrow. I kind of jammed my finger up a little bit today, so writing things down and prepping is a little bit of an issue today, so we'll hopefully be able to get on that tomorrow. First off, we got to say, what a fantastic weekend of football. Um, I would have, uh, thank goodness I don't bet money on sports. Uh, it's a dangerous gamble, obviously. It's gambling. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, I would have picked the Bucks to beat the Cowboys just because I never, beat, I never uh, bet against Tom Brady. I would have been vastly wrong. Um, Buccaneers looked slow, looked like they got stampeded, run over, like a hit, like a, like a, you know, a group of wildebeests. It wasn't pretty. Micah Parsons was in the nightmares and the dreams of Tom Brady, however you, you want to phrase that. It was, uh, a weekend of big time leads and intriguing storylines. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you're probably rejoicing for the fact that they'd signed, uh, Tristan Vizcayeno. Uh, as a kicker, as a uh, insurance backup in case Brett the Fret Maher continues to not be able to kick a football to save his life. That was uh, <laughs> watching a kicker miss four kicks in a game. You got to you really do feel bad for that guy because, you know, every single person on that team is looking at him like saying, what the hell are you good for if you can't kick a fo- uh, football? And I know that obviously kicking a football is a lot harder than it is just to say, you know, why can't you, kick, why can't you just kick, kick a football? But um, it was a uh, <laughs> eye-opening uh, situation to watch the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard, Zeke, uh, Zeke, the Power Ranger and crew, just steamroll these these uh, these um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Excuse me, this damn fingers making me a little scattered brain today. So I'm I'm squirrel. I apologize if I'm a little squirrel today. So ahead of time, Chargers. Oh boy. Oh my lord. There is gonna be a conversation happening in LA about what the hell you do with, with Brandon Staley. Myself, me personally, um, I would cut bait with Brandon. I would with with, with Brandon Staley. Granted, they've had a couple years of pretty decent a pretty decent success, but I think that playing Mike Williams in that last game was absolutely r- r- just stupid. It was barbaric, it was witless, mindless, classless. Like, you lost your second best, possibly first best. I know Keenan Allen is by far the number one wide receiver option. Fancy owners, you know, all of us know that. But Mike Williams has been incredibly solid this year. And he's been battling, battling injuries every single freaking week with him. So I don't understand why that happened. Um, Bosa over there. He just needs to shut up, man. Just shut your mouth about when it comes to refereeing. Yeah, they're wanting to bait you. They want to see you make a mistake. They want to see you say something you're going to regret. Because that way, then you become the horse's ass. You become the main conversation. And they're not the ones being the, in, in the dead center of, of the bullseye reticle on their back. It's Bosa instead. So, Joey, come on, man. You're so talented. 
Like, I feel bad for that groin injury you had. I've been dealing with something similar. It's been taking me a year and a half. Granted, I don't have the medical equipment or the opportunities that he has being a professional football player. Um, those are light years and generations apart. But um, it's just the Chargers are in such a weird spot. Because they went out, they spent money on J.C. Jackson. They have Derwin James. They got Khalil Mack. They have Bosa. They've got, you know, their linebacking crew isn't great. Uh, safety crew, obviously, led by Derwin James. He's really good. But Derwin James is pretty much like icing on the cake at this point for, I always call them San, for uh, San Diego. Justin Herbert, kid's got crazy talent, but that offensive line needs to be more and more consistent. They have Rashawn Slater, who is their left tackle, who's really good, but it pretty much stops, you know, the conversation stops there. They don't have a whole lot of great players besides for that on their line. Um, they just have too much talent. Austin Eckler, he's obviously really good. Herbert's good. And overall, I mean, this team is just built in all the right ways that you want to see when it comes down to, a, you know, uh, a coach coming in. And I don't like advocating for people to lose lose their, their jobs. That's not what I'm trying to do here by any means. But we need to be realistic here at the, at the same time too, ladies and gentlemen. The Chargers have way too much talent to be uh, performing first-round exoduses inside the playoffs. They should be competing for an AFC championship. You have the quarterback, the most important position of all sports, the quarterback. He's young. He's going to be the, the affordable factor is going to be gone here soon. I believe he's going to be due for a contract extension here. If not this offseason, next one. So you're running out of time in L.A. to make this happen with this team that it is right now. You're going to have to make a sacrifice. That's why they brought in Cleo Mack on that contract because Herbert still on is on his, is on his rookie deal. Um, I think Sean Payton would be incredible. He would be a great fit there. Um He's going to be able to kind of the system that Peyton likes to use uh, with having uh, him, or excuse me, with having Herbert, having Eckler, having Keenan Allen, having that defensive weapons that, that they have. It's very intriguing, but uh, I just, I just look at this team and I was like, and no due disrespect to Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence has had a really solid bounce back season. Thank goodness. Urban Meyer is gone. It's amazing. what happens when you bring in an, an actual coach in Doug, Doug Peterson Shout out Ferndell, uh, Ferndell Eagles. I believe that's a call or that's the mascot for the uh, for the high school in Ferndale where he's from. But uh, shout out to them. A little bit of love for up north there for the Bellingham crew. Uh, let's see here. Well, else we here? We'll see. Uh, excuse me. I'm trying to just bounce back through uh, topic to topic that I try to remember off the top of my head. We talked a little bit about the implications of what happened with the Seattle Seahawks and the first part of the offseason plan with obviously started with the meeting between Jody, uh, Pete and John about the state of this franchise, the future of this franchise, all that stuff. But I'm going to try and find a way to paraphrase this tour. It doesn't get too long here, but I think I might go a little bit longer depending on my technology, my laptop today is having a hard time keeping up with this, uh, recording. So apologies if this is going to sound, a little bit choppier than usual. I try to have it the best I can. So just want to give you guys a heads up on that. Here's what we need to know. It's pretty simple when you look at the overall landscape of the situation here for the Seattle Seahawks. You trade, you trade away Russell. You knew that you didn't want to pay Russell. You knew Russell was going to want 
all the money in the world possible to make this work. That's just the realization of the times that we lived in with him. So Denver decided to swallow the pill. Denver decided they wanted him to be the savior, which is all great and dandy for us because now we sat here and the first round draft pick that we used was obviously on, on Charles Cross. Charles Cross was an incredible addition to this team. Finally have a left side tackle that can handle stand-up. He did a fantastic job against Nick Bosa this, uh, this last week. Bosa had no sacks, very little pressure in, in, in this game, and they forced us, the Niners to beat them in other ways besides for, for Bosa, and unfortunately for us, they were able to, to capitalize and make that happen. You look at the other uh, draft pick in, in that uh, in that uh, last year's draft from that trade, excuse me, Boye Mafe. Boye Mafe, Beginning of the season, when when we drafted him, we all knew Boye Mafe was, was going to be a project. And I'm not going to go too deep into Mafe because I'm going to make another, uh, like probably like part three or part four of this series is going to be about the draft class that we had and how that implicated and changed the direction of this franchise in the course of one season. But Boye Mafe had a really strong end of the season, in my opinion. He looked really good on tape. He was doing um, his more consistent, higher quality pass rushing things. He's such an incredibly raw player that it's hard to really be hard on on him because of the college he came out of in Minnesota. He was a pass rushing specialist, essentially. It's what he did is that he, he rushed the, the, the uh, passer. And when you have somebody like that who is not a one-trick pony, but is a one... What's the word I'm looking for here? He's like a, he's like a one-sided cube. If you roll a cube, you're going to get one result and you're going to get it consistently, which is fine. Some players are like that, and they, you know, they usually stick better to their guns if they stick to what, what they're good at. But it's a very, uh, it's one of those moves that I think next season is going to pay out dividends. But yeah, we'll we'll dig more into Boya Mafe here later on in, in this series. You look at what we got from the production of Shelby Harris. I want to go over the, this trade, right? You got Drew Locke. Drew Locke, unfortunately, got COVID. We all know how that went. He lost his opportunity to really show this team whether or not he was capable of filling in as a starter, a.k.a. hence how Gino got the starting job. Gino already, as we all know, was ahead of him in starting in, uh, in preseason and training camp, all that jazz, but he never got his opportunities. Gino capitalized on his opportunities. The rest is history. Drew Locke is going to be a free agent uh, in this upcoming year's drought and this upcoming free agency, excuse me. I think that Drew Locke fits the system what we do here well. I do not believe a, sing a single team is going to be asking him or offering him a starting job just because he honestly hasn't earned it. No disrespect to Drew Locke. I think he's a fine young man. Um, I believe he has all of the physical and tangibles in the world, but when we, when it comes down to, and Brock, you were just talked about this a little bit on Brock and Salk. Um, and I enjoy these kind of con these con conversations is the fact that Drew Locke's decision-making is the problem with him. It always has been. He has an incredible arm. I think his arm and Gino, as we thought we, we were told that, uh, Drew Locke had a better arm talent than, than Gino. But when you hear players like, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, Justin Herbert, all talking about this guy and how he can just spin the football. That's not just something they just willy-nilly give off the top of their head. That's something that the other quarterbacks see and try and mimic in some form of way. That's why, you know, all these quarterbacks take a page out of each other's book in some way or fa you know, fashion and try and uh, apply it to, to their own set of skills and stuff like that. So uh, Shelby Harris, he was pretty good this year. Uh, fairly consistent player. 
decent inside the pass rush. Not quite big enough to be what they're looking for at the defensive tackle position. He's more of that hybrid, that Brandon Meebane ish role, you know, a Red Bryant ish role back in the previous days where he could play the, you know, the nose position, but that's typically for a guy size of, you know, an Al Woods or a Brian Monet. Um, for not, you know, another example like Evita Vea. Uh, there's a draft, a, a prospect, uh, I believe it's like Sika Ikanu or something like that. He's a defensive lineman out, out of Baylor. His comp is Vita Vea. He's like dang near identically built in size and everything. So that would be an option for the draft if you want to go down that uh, that boulevard. But that's just an a example. So And then obviously uh, Noah Fant. I thought Noah Fant played pretty well this year. I was... Impressed with his ability to block. Noah Fant was, we were told that he was not great at blocking, did not enjoy blocking. And he was essentially a Jimmy Graham-esque kind of player. He wants to be a receiver at the tight end position. And I was pretty impressed with his blocking. I thought it was significantly better than advertised. Um, Obviously, he did well with catching the balls. No, I don't have the exact stats for the season. Like I said, I didn't really have the ability to do much of any prep work right now, but I hope to be able to do that later on in the week. But what we were able to feasibly get in this trade between Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, those three guys, or two of two out of those three guys were able to contribute in some fashion or way this season. No, it wasn't Drew Locke's fault or anything. It's just the fact that Gino capitalized on the opportunity and took the job away. You got Charles Cross, Boy Mafe out of that. And then obviously this year we have number five, and then we have another second round pick, and then we have a fifth round pick this year. So this is the class we have to nail, especially with how much uh, weighs in the balance of this current upcoming offseason. It's going to be an incredibly intriguing offseason in general for, for the Seahawks. Lots of cap money to spend. They're going to sign Geno. Um, they should sign Geno. They're going to sign Geno. The organization believes in Geno. They want him here. I think it's probably going to be a three-year deal. I could see a three-year deal at roughly $25 million on average. Maybe sneaks up to 27 28 So you look at maybe three years, $75 million, give or take. Maybe I would say probably $75 million at the bare minimum. I would say probably $50 to $60 million, maybe 40, $40 to 47 at the bare low mark of the guaranteed money for him. But I'm a shooting roughly numbers. I have no insider reports on this whatsoever. So just want to make that abundantly clear. But this has been such an intriguing, intriguging uh, set of weak, uh, weak tales, right? Weak tales. That's a, kind of an interesting word I'm using there. But this, co- this coaching carousel, really nothing is going to legitimately happen. We saw that uh, the Saints have committed to Dennis Allen in New Orleans. We saw that obviously uh, that Nathaniel Hackett has been interviewing with the Jets for the for the OC job. I think that's a decent chance he gets that because of his opportunity to kind of re- rebuild his brand. It sounds like Cliff Kingsbury has said, uh, heck no for a PG way of saying about coaching or an offense coordinator job. He's not interested anymore. Good riddance. We will not miss you, Cliff Kingsbury. This is not college football. This is the National Football League. Let's see here. I'm kind of looking at the other stories here in general. Uh, lots of conversation out of Carolina about what they're going to do about Jim Harbaugh announcing he is going to return back to Michigan. This is just a honestly a stupid story is what this is. 
The last three consecutive off-seasons, Jim Harbaugh stated that he wants to return back to the NFL, and then he gets courted back to Michigan, blah, 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 blah. Well, let me tell you exactly how how this is going to go, right? Jim Harbaugh is going to go back to Michigan. He's going to get a fat old chunk of money because Michigan made a hell of a lot of money. They got to the college football playoff. That means more money. They beat Ohio State. means more money. C.J. Stroud's leaving. I don't know who's going to fit in there, a quarterback at Ohio State, but knowing Ohio State and Ryan Day, it's going to be a baller. It's going to be a five-star kid who we probably haven't heard anything about or some guy from the transfer portal or something along those lines. But Jim Harbaugh just simply, flat out, not trying to butter any more biscuits or cut around the proverbial bush. You need to make up your damn mind on what, what you want to do because – It's an insult to your players who commit to you at the University of Michigan who expect you to be their coach and have expectations of college football playoff. And I believe Jake McCarthy or J.J. McCarthy is the quarterback for them at Michigan. I don't follow Michigan exclusively because I can't stand Jim Harbaugh. But this is the conversation that needs to be had is the fact that his decisions or his his inability to stick to his word, as my dad says, if a man doesn't have his word, in this world, he has nothing. And I live by that saying, right? If you give somebody your word, you do it. Regardless of whether or not you want to do it, what the situations, the circumstances, the timing, anything, you do it. Jim Harbaugh gave Michigan his word that he would stay, and yet he continues to do this pity patty back and forth crap with not being able to make up his mind. And I feel bad for his... If I was a five-star recruit player who was going to Michigan, and I'm seeing this, I'm out. I'm out. There's so many other colleges I, I could go to. How about you go down to South Carolina? Spencer Rattler and uh, Jimbo Fisher are getting something really beautiful cooking down there. Uh, you have, I mean, I'm bringing up UW, Michael Penix, and Kalen. They're a feasible option. USC with with, with Caleb Williams. Uh, UCLA has uh, a five-star quarterback coming in. They paid a lot, a lot of money too. There are multiple colleges that, I mean, Iowa, Iowa State. Look at what TCU did. Hell, Georgia. Obviously, Georgia's probably going to be a dime a dozen on getting something like that done. But it's an insult to the players with what he's doing back and forth with being wishy-washy. And he should issue a apology, a in-person apology to the entire team, the organization, the, I mean, not the administration, because this is strictly just a business ploy and the players are caught inside the balance of this. But it's just wrong on every level. He has had success. You can't take can't take that away from him. But there is a thing such as principles and honoring your word and being a respectable man. And Jim Harbaugh has done anything but that the last three years, and that's just my personal opinion. And yeah, it's a little bit of a hot take. So I usually give one hot take per podcast, or I'm trying to work on that. A lot of you guys seem to be enjoying that, so I'm going to be giving that out here once per podcast. Um, quick things about the Mariners. They did a, a quick wrap up on another six names, including Jeter Martinez officially inked. I did talk about him in the, in the previous podcast. If you want more information about who he is, you want more information about Felman Celestine, uh, please tune into the previous podcast where I dive in and dig in more onto that kind of conversation and topics. And with that, you guys, that's going to be today's pod. Ap- apologies. Uh, for this kind of being a little more scatterbrained than usual, there's usually a lot more flow, a much more order to this, but today's podcast is a little bit different. Hopefully my finger can he- uh, heal up here quick as possible, and I can get you guys more of a consistent podcast and more of the usual theme. Until then, hope you guys have a fantastic Wednesday, and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.